You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Red Wings trying to get the sweep. Three seconds left. Into the zone. To the top of the Welcome. What's that? Brent Mossberger always says, you are looking live. Hi. We are live from Motor City Comic Con right now with episode Rick Zombo, episode Adam Oates, Adam, episode Manny Legacy, episode 34. I uh, want to remind everybody you can follow us on social media at Red Wing Alumni on Facebook, at Red Wing Alumni on Twitter, and you can find us on Instagram at Detroit Red Wing Alumni. With that, once again, we are... Live here at the convention center at Novi Suburban Showplace for the Motor City Comic Con. We're your guest for the next two hours. If you are listening on your computer and want to get out, I want to remind you to download the at Podcast Detroit app, and you can always listen to us live. With that, we've got a pretty esteemed panel this afternoon. Wow. Esteemed is a strong word. <laughs> um, joining my incomparable co-host, of course, Art Regner. Hello there, Newman. How are you? Hello, hello. Former Detroit Red Wing, number 52, Ryan Barnes. Good to be back. Good to be back, Numi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're going to get into our guest in a little bit, but we've got Jay Adams, Hollywood stuntman extraordinaire, <laughs> is joining us today. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. You know, we're going to have a lot of fun today, and one of the things I found out this morning is um, the man with the face for radio. Edward Dario Mio calls me up and he says he's got travel issues, can't make it. So it turns out he's trying to pretend like he was at the hashtag royal wedding today. <laughs> and with that, and I'm kind of bummed only from the standpoint of Eddie has some really good Hollywood stories. And those of you that know Eddie Mio know that he has no hesitation in dropping names like they're dimes. And one of his best stories, and when I first met Eddie, is, as he will tell you, 
he was at Wayne Gretzky's wedding. If I had the little ding right there, I would ding it right now. <laughs> well, I, I, he claims he was the best man. He was the best man. <laughs> no, I know he was. So the, I find out about I that. I mean, it was on TV, CBC. <laughs> that was their royal wedding. That was yeah, exactly. their hashtag royal wedding. It absolutely was. <laughs> that was a Twitter Twitter survey. What would you rather watch, uh, Janet and Wayne or the royal wedding? And uh, Was that really a Twitter survey? Wow. And, and uh, Janet and the uh, Wayne Gretzky wedding was beating the... Uh, As it should. Yeah, As it absolutely. should. <laughs> because this is a racist country. Now, if she would have been a white woman, I would have just blown it out. Whoa, whoa. Oh, boy. Whoa. Too soon? Anyway, so the, I'm going to tell two quick Eddie stories, then, as we're getting into it. From a standpoint of Eddie's given the best man toast, and he tells everybody, you know, Wayne is now off the market. He's a married man. So they got this big punch bowl out there, and he says, I need everybody to drop their keys to Wayne's apartment in the bowl. So all these women are coming up and dropping the key in the bowl. Oh, right? nice. It's just fantastic. And then all of a sudden we're looking at it from a standpoint of Eddie goes, hey, I'm missing a key. Right? Nobody moves. Nobody says anything. Right? And he goes, serious now. I need that last key. And then everybody turns around and who's walking up the aisle with the final key? Gordy Howe. Oh, <laughs> really? nice. wow. Yeah, so just a great story. And then when he was telling me about that that wedding, there was a movie back in 1985 called Mischief, and it starred Doug McKeon and a bunch of other people you'd never... The movie was set in the 50s. You know, it's one of those bad boy movies and a good boy movie. Well, the girl that played Bunny in that, her name was um, Catherine Mary Stewart. Just completely hot. Just And she was in Weekend at Bernie's and everything else. But I remember being 85. I'm a sophomore in high school, and that's when I learned that my thing is actually starting to work at this point. <laughs> right? So, Eddie. What, what, what thing are you talking about? <laughs> what podcast is this? Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. This, you should this have show's turned a little blue right away there, Newman. <laughs> Not as bad as the one on Eddie's birthday when he kept talking about the porn channel on Sirius Radio, Vivid Radio, like Channel 749. Oh, so just to finish this story, it turns out Eddie's date for Wayne Gretzky's wedding, right, was his Catherine Mary Stewart, right? And he starts telling me how it was like a movie after the thing. He's putting her up against the wall, down on the rug and everything else. And I was like, you ruined it for me forever. So that's the Eddie Mio stories. So with that, uh, I'm, I'm hoping you're not expecting my stories to be like uh, that at all. <laughs> uh, I've seen you in the locker room. I know they're not going to be uh, like that. Wow. I'm so, not even sure how to take that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> coming off hot here. Boy, wow. Newman, you are on a roll today. <laughs> so with that, Art, this is, is this your first Comic-Con? This is my first Comic-Con. I am, uh, I'm actually, I'm kind of overwhelmed and captivated at the same time. I mean, it's. Yeah, I, I, I really think that one of the traits that all human beings have is that we all love to pretend. You know, in your mind, you think, God, that would be great or, you know, whatever. And, you know, this is, a, this is just like pure escapism, I think. And I think oh, it really sure. does make people feel good. Yeah. You know, this is a real enjoyable event. It's, you know, everyone's about basically the same age in this, yeah. regardless of what their age is. You know, we're all kids again. It's, it's pretty cool. It really is pretty cool. Were you a little bummed you couldn't see um, Val Kilmer back there? Well, I guess if we were to see him, we'd see a lot of him. 
Yeah. <laughs> From what I've heard, I can't speak to it now. But hey, I'm one to talk, so you know. But I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, when he's hiding behind the curtain, something's going on. Really? Well, I think they were doing their um, photo ops right now, aren't they? Or has he been hiding behind the curtain? I, I haven't seen him out. I like everybody else. Their curtain stopped, and his keeps going, and like. It looks like there's a table behind it, so I think you have to go into the curtain and, and to, to wow. see it. I think. I don't know for sure. Wow. Like Pizza the Hut. Yeah, exactly. Like all the other stars that are here today and celebrities, they're you know they're out in the open. I'm glad yeah. you said celebrities on some of them instead of stars. Who's who's the lineup? Who's who do we have? Well, Lucy the- Lawless had a lot of people, but she married a guy from Detroit. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Robert Tapper. I still don't know pro- that. He's a big producer. <laughs> yeah. He did you know, he did Spartacus. Oh, okay. Well, they had uh, Johnny Lawrence, you know, from Karate Kid. Yes. Yeah, uh, Bill, William Zabka. Yeah. yeah. But you know what I was telling Art? My favorite point, my favorite movie that he was in was not even, and I love Cobra Kai right now, but the, the movie other than Karate Kid that he was in, people forget he was in Back to School. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He right? was a bad guy. Chaz. Yeah. He played Chaz yeah. in Back to School. So if I were actually thinking about getting an autograph, it would be one of those, Newman, get me a towel, if yes. you remember back to school. Nice. Barnsey, what a, yeah, is this I your mean, first Comic-Con? First time uh, I've been to a Comic-Con event, and I mean, it's uh, it's neat to see. I mean, uh, the the people are, uh, their passion for, for the different shows and characters is uh, is definitely... Uh, out in full spades here, and it's uh, it's a cool environment sitting here at the table as uh, different characters walk by. It's uh, yeah, it's neat to be here. Well, it's obvious there's not a dress code at this point. For <laughs> yeah, guys with no shirts walking around, you know, yeah. uh, there's a couple girls walking around <laughs> with no shirts. Well, I will say this: if I were a you know a much younger man and came to something like this, I would probably have my slate uh, my face slapped quite often because some of these women in these costumes that they're wearing are very uh, provocative. Indeed, and, you know, but. You know, I got to give them credit. I mean, I, you know, this is without question. Uh, it, it, some of them look like they, they could really walk onto a movie set and, you know, be there's, part of the cast. There's a lot of uh, thought and detail that went into each, uh, you know, the, some of the costumes walking around here for sure. And a lot of these are handmade from scratch that these people make. They carve them out of foam. They do all these stuff. I, it, it takes ridiculous talent to be able to do that. So with that, I want to introduce Jay Adams. Jay Adams is a friend of the Detroit Red Wing alumni. He is a local as well as a regional national celebrity. He is a Hollywood stuntman. And I could go through the bio, but Jay, I want you to um, give me a little bit of breakdown. Tell us a little bit about your career, how you got into hockey, and then how you got involved with the alumni. Uh, well, growing up, in, I grew up in the metro Detroit area. Uh, right when I was about graduating high school, well, a little bit after high school, was right when uh, the Red Wings started making their push in the 90s, in the mid-90s. And we were all just going crazy for the Wings. And when they finally won, um, it was just a huge event. So, so everybody in Detroit's obviously a hockey fan uh, coming from that background. And I grew up, you know, everybody wants to skate. Um, I, I grew up playing never really too much organized stuff, but, uh, I mean, as soon as, as, soon as it, the – the ground, uh, the uh, ponds froze. We were on all, all winter long, um, so I've been playing a long time. But uh, as far as yeah, then I uh, later on I got into uh, pro wrestling. Actually, I was a professional wrestler for twelve years. Uh, I wrestled uh, all over the Midwest, Canada. I wrestled for WWE a few times. Uh, had different tryouts with them. I had some televised matches with them and stuff like that. Did you have a character? Uh, my character's name was Eddie Venom. 
which is very relatable here to the Comic-Con because I'm a, I'm a huge comic book nerd, and uh, Venom from the Spider-Man comics is where I got that. His real name was Eddie, so stole that basically from Marvel. Thank you. Um, so I wrestled for about 12 years and uh, <laughs> broke my back back in 2011, Ooh. and I was like, okay, it's time to get out of this. And that's when Michigan had a really good tax incentive for films. A lot of stuff was filming here. A uh, buddy of mine, a really good friend of mine, uh, Zach Gowan, he's the world's only one-legged wrestler. And he got uh, hired by this movie that was filming here, a war movie. They were going to shoot his leg off because he has a prosthetic leg. And I'm like, man, that's the coolest thing. You, you, you did a stunt. That's awesome. I've always wanted to do that. So he introduced me to the stunt coordinator, and I started networking from there and training different places. And uh, finally, uh, you know, started, started getting hired on some, uh, some big gigs. It was cool. So, Jay, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. You break your back, and then you decide to become a stuntman? <laughs> yeah, it, I, I've always been a physical person. I've always played sports. I've always, uh, you know, I'm getting older, but I, I, I always have to be physical. And uh, I'm also, I, I love entertaining. Uh, I've been in different bands and stuff like that. So I've always wanted to be in some kind of entertainment fashion as a job. And uh, it worked out great. Uh, I started training with uh, uh, different stunt guys. And actually, the stunt stuff is a lot safer than the wrestling. Wrestling, I was out there live, you know, hardly any padding. When some, we, we, it's one take. There is no rehearsals. There is no, you know, so uh, stunts, I mean, we're, we're well rehearsed. We have pads where we can. I mean, uh, it's, it's a lot, lot safer than the wrestling. Did, was there an apprenticeship, or did you have to, like, train for six or seven months before you had some sort of stuntman test or anything well, like that? Or? Yeah, there's no, I mean, there are stuntman schools around the country. Um, from the different 12, you know, 12 years of pro wrestling, I had that fight uh, combat uh, you know, for, for screen, I already had that kind of background. So I just had to adapt it a little bit to how they do it on screen as far as, the, you know, the difference between wrestling and stunt work. And uh, everybody's got their specialties, too. Like, I do a lot of ATV riding, um, motorcycle riding, stuff like that. So everybody's got their different, uh, you know, some people are great high fall people. They, they fall from great. I, I don't do that. <laughs> but I, I do fighting and I do uh, ATV stuff and that kind of thing. Do you go into it knowing that have you been injured a lot being a stuntman, and is it tough to get insurance? No, actually, uh, well, I'm in the same union as the actors are. Um, Screen so, Actors yep, Guild? Screen Actors Guild, where we get the same union benefits, so we get the same medical benefits as them. Uh, insurance, uh, we, don't, we don't have to pay for that. That's the productions that pay for that. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, we get regular medical benefits and st- stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been a... it's been an amazing you know i grew up as a kid always thinking you know telling people i I don't want to be a stuntman when i grow up but a lot of kids say that you know it's 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 like i want to be an astronaut when i grow up you know but uh to actually be able to grow up and fulfill that i mean it's it's been really cool i've been really lucky i don't mean to hog this conversation i find this absolutely fascinating uh was there has there ever been a stunt that you refused to do and what is the most dangerous stunt you've ever performed on film I've never been asked to do something that I refuse to do. Um, I, I love learning stuff, so even if it's something that I haven't done, uh, I'm willing to learn. So I, I, I like to train. I like to learn new things. Um, but I've never had that, run into that yet. Most dangerous stuff I've done, uh, we did a, a show called Outsiders for two seasons, and we, it was all ATV riding in the mountains, a bunch of stuff like that. And uh, we had a pit fight scene where two guys go and figure eight and bat, beat each other with bats, try to knock each other oh, off, wow. the, uh, off the ATV and the 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 story is that uh, his 
ATV stalls out, so I go in for the kill, and he ducks out of the way and sticks rebar in my front tire, and I go flipping over the handlebars. Wow. Um, so that was, a, that was a really fun stunt, and that was probably my second day on that show. I was doubling, uh, stunt doubling for an actor named Ryan Hurst, who's actually here uh, signing autographs, um, and that was my f- second day on set, and, I, uh, and it went great, and two seasons after that, everything went great from there. So. Well, that, you know, I used to watch fan of old movies, and you know, I'm so old, I remember Bill Kennedy. And he used to have all these movies, and the thing that I always thought looked the most dangerous from a stunt perspective, and I always th- and I did think about those stuff, is those old westerns where the uh, carriage would disengage from the stagecoach, oh, yeah. and then the guy would have to jump off the stagecoach <laughs> yeah. onto the horses in between the two horses. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, I, I guess that was real. I mean, that I, I'm sure a lot of people had to get hurt doing something well, like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. But that's how the stunt business kind of got formed is is those old westerns. Um, so many of the older stunt coordinators that are still around, they're, they're cowboys. They they're, they wow. ride horses. They, they're, they're used to those westerns. That's actually where the, the stunt business kind of formed and wow. uh, learning how to, uh, how to perform these stunts safely for camera and, uh, and make it work. And then, you know, as things progress, now, now all of a sudden you have cars going 90 miles an hour that, wow. <laughs> that they're going to be jumping between, you know, things like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool, man, uh, to meet some of these old school guys that have been in there for 40 years. And they are, man. They're just old cowboys, man. They're great. Wow. Did you ever see the movie Hooper? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hooper, I love it. Art, you ever see Hooper? Yes, I have seen Hooper. <laughs> Come on. That's a, I know. It, it was, was a long early. time ago. So. It was. But Adam Buddy West Joe was Hooker. in Hooper. Oh, yeah, that's right. That Burt man. Reynolds. Yeah, Burt Reynolds was yep. the stuntman for Adam West. That's right. I forgot about Sonny that. Hooper. Come on. Yeah, that's Roscoe a, P. Coltrane was in that movie. Yeah, that's a Buddy Joe Hooker. He, uh, Buddy Joe Hooker is like a, a, fa- a world-famous stunt guy. He's a legend. Um, and that was that was him doing all that stuff. Really? Yeah. Him wow. and Hale Needham. Hal Needham, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Jan Vincent was in that movie. Jan Michael Vincent? Yes, Jan Michael Vincent. Brian wow. Keith was in that movie. Brian Keith, who was uh, on Family Affairs. Yes. Right? I don't know he why. He was a big actor. He did a lot of, <laughs> yeah. lot of movies. Man, Newman, you're like a human internet movie <laughs> well, database. <laughs> you know what, Newman? All right. If you want to, I'll tell you this. I read today, I believe today is the 50th anniversary of the Adams Family debut on television. Did you just make that up? No, no, I saw it. And you know what's interesting? And the reason it came to mind is because, you know, on Twitter, you read a lot of random stuff that kind of comes and goes. There have been a couple of morticias walking around in front of us today. Yeah, I'm not so sure that they're actually morticia. They might be some other comic character that looks like morticia. But, but yeah, a lot of pale-faced girls. So, Jay, we, um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, a lot don't look like they get out into the sun too (laughs) much. So we were fortunate to bring you in because you just got back from New York. Yeah, I was just there last night, actually, uh, filming a TV show for Showtime. Um, it was a last-minute thing. I got a call Tuesday seeing if I was available Friday. I said, absolutely. So I uh, flew out there yesterday morning, worked all day, and then uh, came back this morning and right, right to Comic-Con. And that's Ray Donovan. That's the show. Oh, I love Ray Donovan. For. Yeah, that, that's, uh, yeah, that was Ray Donovan. Did you, did you get to talk to John Voight or... No, I was in a scene. Uh, I was in a uh, can't say too much. You know, we're not supposed. You, we can't uh-huh. be, be talking too much. But I'm in a scene with uh, his, the guy that plays his brother, the one that dies. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, okay, uh, that plays Ray's. Yeah. He has two. Uh, Dash the, Minock or the other one, Eddie something. Eddie, yeah. yeah, 
that guy, you know, that guy's English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he, yeah. And he's, yeah, he's, I know he's done you a lot know of stuff. Him, right? Yeah, yeah. He's that's a great show. That that the acting in that show is, is you know, and I'm a big, you know, John Voight. I can take or leave him, but but he's great in that show. Yeah, he's and a, then Leaf Liv Shriver. Uh, Liv Shriver. Yeah. yeah, he's he's a really good actor. Yeah, I've liked that guy for a long time. He's uh he's he's a really good actor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a that's a really good show. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. A, I was excited to be. Part no, but of do it. you watch it, Ryan? Do you guys? He's a, like I, a Hollywood yeah. fixer, is what Ray Donovan is, right? Is that, yeah, yeah, exactly. He. uh it's, it's it's a very interesting show. I, it I, is. I, have, I I've been. I've I've watched a few episodes and I keep getting I have way too many stuff too much stuff on my DVR so I have to get back to it. I know but, I know what you uh, mean, but I'll definitely be catching up before my my episode comes out next season. Yeah, well, I hope so. I, I'm going to look forward to it. Yeah, I cut the cable back in June, so you know I've been living off regular TV. Oh man, regular TV. Yeah, well, and that. with the Amazon terrestrial the TV. Arc. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, because you can get 36 different. I was watching All right, today. We're going to have a commercial now here for, for, for Sling TV or something, right? Nope, not even doing any of that. <laughs> right, right, right. But I was excited because today I was able to watch Batman, the old series, and the greatest American hero, the pilot episode oh, on terrestrial show. TV. So you can't bitch wow. about it too much there. Right? I've got the complete series, Bat- the TV Batman on DVD. I got it for Christmas one time. You're like Tom Mazaway. You know, and the other one that I have, that a show that I always love, and I'm really dating myself, is Get Smart. Oh, yeah, that was I mean, a great show. Get Smart was just excellent. That, that cone of silence still gets me every time. <laughs> the cone no, I, it's, a little, uh, it's a little before my time, yeah. but when I grew up, we had Nickelodeon was just started out, right. and they used to play replays of Get Smart, and that's how I, I, I learned to know that, uh, that show. Jay, I'll let you borrow. The, I, I've got the whole series. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Oh, wait, my phone's ringing. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, so if you don't, I, I'm sure you have a lot of time on your hands. Oh, yeah. Talk. Is that your shoe? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The shoe phone. My oh, yeah. shoe's ringing. Missed it by that, that much. much. Sorry about that. Yeah, so, no. Jay, let's talk a little bit about hockey because, you know, we met you a few years ago. You played against us. Um because normally you play for cerebral palsy. Yep. This year, I think you played this like what twice? No, 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 just once. Uh, it was just the one yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, you guys are great enough to be able to, to uh, come out to our uh, game that we play every usually in March. It's for United Cerebral Palsy of Detroit, mm-hmm. and uh, all the players we take pledges uh, to be able to be even eligible to play against you guys. And uh, so we raise a lot of money. We have a ton of great sponsors every year. Uh, a lot of great donations. We have silent auctions and stuff like that. And uh, this year was our best year out of all. Uh, we got to break our old record, which, if I'm correct, was almost forty-one thousand dollars. Great. And I'm told wow. that we and I'm told that we broke that record this year. So, uh, yeah, we've been. Uh, it's an event I, I love doing every year. Um, I love calling, you know, getting as many donations as possible. We all kind of make it a little competition between us to see who can get the most donations. And, uh, so uh, and you, obviously being able to play with you guys is a blast. Well, you must be kind of bummed that this was the last season that you're going to play the Red Wing alumni. Oh, is it? Well, you got banned after you took out. <laughs> We're playing in this game. He completely took out Ralph Nilsson, who's the owner of your Flint Firebirds. Uh, I mean... Completely took out. There's like no a, I mean. That's you not, took, you that's put not him. too hard to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, see, well, he was taking too many slap shots. We kept telling him, no more slap shots, no more slap shots. No, he was, uh, if, in my defense, if he hadn't have been standing where he was, he would have been fine. <laughs> I was driving towards the net. Uh, I got a pass coming towards me. It was a little bit behind me, so I kind of spun around to try to get it. I went down, and I didn't realize, and, you know, and I'm going towards the net, so I start sliding towards the boards. I didn't realize he's up against the boards. So I did everything I could to stay low and just uh, – 
He landed on top of me, which is a good thing. Because if I would have landed <laughs> on top of him, it could have been a lot worse. But he landed on top of me. I said, hey, you all right? He's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, great. And the best part is I stood right up, and the pass came right to me, and I scored on Malik. <laughs> Malik, he let you score. I think we I mean, he identified say that. that. I, I banked it off his shoulder and up into the top corner. So, I mean, he can say he let me all he wants. But, I mean, that that – that national championship stuff. I, I I don't I don't even know if it's actually true. I got to look Google that. Two time national champion. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna Google that. I don't know. You know, and the funny thing about it, so people get a little bit of perspective on that. Ralph Nilsson is probably about five eight, five nine. Jay, how tall? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You said he's five eight, five nine. Yeah, you you don't think that tall? Ah, uh, right, we'll see. On yeah. skates, he's uh, well, five eight or five nine. Yeah, there you go. On skates, Rolf, he's five Rolf eight. plays like he's six three though. He plays. He, well, he, he does. does. Yeah. You know, let me ask you something, Ryan. Now, well, wait a minute, just to follow that up. Oh, okay. How tall are you, Ryan? Uh, Jay. 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 <laughs> uh, I'm about six six and a half. Six so. six, and then how much <laughs> yeah. do you weigh? Uh, about two eighty. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and with that, go ahead, Ryan. Well, I yeah. just wanted to, if you're playing for the Red Wing alumni, Ryan, and all. <laughs> Six foot six takes out one of your teammates. Do you have to step in? Do you, you know, I mean, that hockey code. Do you have yeah, to send we, a message? Probably, maybe give him a little, little whack on the shin pads or something. <laughs> oh, that's that's to be understandable. That's understandable. And I don't think we're going to have Ryan do that. I think we're going to have either Dean Colstad or Craig Willannon, Al Iafredi, somebody over six five. Yes, he. That's did. going to be doing it. Yeah, Dean was on the ice at that time. He didn't come after me, so I, I, I put it on I put it on Dean. You know, and the funny thing <laughs> was because Ralph was Dean's defensive partner for that game. Yeah, exactly. Because so. he kicked me, and he was like, Newman, what did I do? Why? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was – I wish I would have seen that. Uh, because just the, go on my Facebook. There's a video is it, of it. Is it really? <laughs> All right, I definitely will. Yeah, my yeah, wa- my he, wife was taping. She just happened to be taping right then. She's like, watch, you almost killed this man. I was like, oh. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's on Twitter, it's on Facebook, it's on Instagram, everywhere you could possibly look. I have a, I have a strong social media presence. What can I say? <laughs> when, when you're doing some stunt work and you're traveling around the country, do you have an opportunity to check out other teams and other sporting events? Are you that big of a sports fan? Yeah. Or? Oh, yeah, definitely. I try to do that whatever city I'm going to. I try to check out their arena. Um, so I was in Dallas uh, a few years ago and uh, doing – some episodes of Conan O'Brien when he was there for the Final Four. So I got to go see uh, see them play. I got to see that arena. Uh, when I was out in Chicago doing an episode of Chicago PD, um, uh, I got to go and see that arena and uh, see the Blackhawks. So, yeah, I try to try to manage it. If, if, they're, if somebody's playing in town and I have the time, I, I try to go see it. So. Have you seen any Detroit teams play on the road where I guess you could probably cheer for – for the Red Wings in Chicago, because I don't think anybody's going to mess with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, it's never timed out where I've been in a city and Wings have been there. It's almost, uh, I, there was one time I was there on a Friday and went home on a Saturday, and they were there on a Monday, so I almost uh, made it. But, no, it's never worked out. I, I'd like it to. That'd be cool. Ryan, you mentioned before that you were in a band. Jay. What it, <laughs> Ryan. And he's looking right at me. And he's well, see, right here's the me. thing. You know, I got Ryan your, right is next Is your middle me. name Ryan by any no, chance, Jay? But he's, he's also the stunt double for Ryan. Ryan Hurst, yeah. Ryan Hurst. All right. We won't do it again. So, Jay. Yes, sir. Said you were in a band. Yes. What instrument do you play? I actually sing. and uh, I've been singing in bands for... No, no, no. And ever no. since I, 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 I do, yeah. No, I, you know what? Darren McCarty 
says that he's in a band and he sings. And I don't know if you've ever seen that shit show. Oh, I I, well, I, used, I used to do security for that band. For Grinder? <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Oh, yeah. Back in the day. Oh, yeah. I, I know all those guys. I would introduce. That band, that band is very talented. Oh, Grinder was incredible. I used to introduce Grinder in Traverse City, their last gig of the season, because they were up in Traverse City for training camp. So Darren would have one final show, and I don't know, it was like three, four years running. I would get up there and say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Grinder, and I, and I love Darren. I love him like a brother, but by far, he's a talented hockey player. But, you know, you know, the one song, though, the one song that I'll have him do every time Ace of is Ace of Spades. Yes. He's great no, on Ace of only, Spades. You know what? He thinks he's really good at Little Pink Houses, right? But no, it's Ace of Spades. Oh, yeah, he definitely does. Get I've never there. heard that. Are you kidding? Yeah, no. I, I was around when they, they had their own CD with uh, original songs and stuff like that, but I don't. Man, I never heard Pink Houses. I'm excited. I'm no, going to Google that. You know what? You could Google it, and I'm sure it's on the Internet because he does it every year at the Coaster Foundation event. Um, so how long have you been in a band? Uh, I'm not in one currently. I'm just kind of doing my own thing. You're a free I, I, play, agent. I am. I, am. I play guitar, too, a little bit, so I'm messing around trying to get better guitar before I get into another band. But, uh, I, I mean, every, you know, when I was younger, I used to actually be in a country band. I used to do country music. Uh, that's how I started out, and uh, yeah, I've been in. Now I just do like cover bands, just just fun stuff that we can just go to a bar and people will dance to. Like, I mean, I love original bands, but I'm not gonna. I'm at my age, and I'm not gonna be going up there doing original songs. I want to. I want to make everybody, you know, play something that everybody knows and gets excited for. Well, you could make your own tribute band now for either. Chris Stapleton or Jamie Johnson? <laughs> I, I I get the Chris Stapleton. I don't know who Jamie Johnson is, but yeah, I get look up Jamie Johnson. He was Chris Stapleton before Chris Stapleton okay, stole all I get, of George I get the Chris Jones Stapleton and shit. A lot. You yeah. know, maybe in your younger day when you first started out in country, you might have been mistaken for like Marshall Tucker or somebody. Well, that, I, I, can't I, you see? I had. <laughs> <laughs> What's that woman doing to me? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I uh, well, I had short hair. I mean, oh. the, the hair and the beard is actually on. I, I never usually have this. I only have this because I double for that actor who has the long hair and the oh, beard. Oh, right, right. So that's His why name's I, Ryan, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's why I have the hair and the beard because, uh, you know, first couple seasons of Outsiders we did, I had to wear a wig, and it works, but I hate the wig, so I just let my hair grow out. Until somebody needs me to cut it, I'll just keep it growing. Well, when I first met you just here today, uh, and I knew that you were going to be I know here my with, hair was six inches shorter. Well, well, That's yeah, how fast yeah, it, grow, it does grow fast. It does really grow fast. But, uh, or quickly, uh, whatever. But but I I looked at you and I said, I swear to God, I've seen him on Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> well, that's uh, even before I started doing stunts for him, uh, there was a little period of time where I had a little bit longer hair and I've always had a beard. And people always used to say, you, you, you look, and it was when uh, Sons of Anarchy was on. They're like, you look like Opie from Sons of Anarchy. I had never watched Sons of Anarchy at the time, so I finally looked it up. I'm like, oh, I, I know who that is. That's a guy from Remember the Titans. So like, now he's got a beard. Yeah. So, and then it just turns out later on down the road when he started this new show called Outsiders on WGN, he needed a stunt double. He never used one in Sons, so he, uh, he, he needed a stunt double, and it turns out I looked just like the guy. So, uh, uh, I got lucky. The stunt coordinator hired me, and I got to do uh, two seasons of doing all his fun fight scenes and ATV riding through the mountain and getting paid for it. So it was great. So, Ryan, how 
Oh, wow. see, you said you weren't going to do it again. You know what you should do? Anytime you do that, instantly ask Ryan a question. <laughs> say, I meant to say that. Ryan, you wear number 42 with the... Uh, <laughs> so just to uh, finish should... up with Jay a little bit. Um, how's your golf game? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love playing golf. I play it a lot. I just don't play it that great. Uh, I, I'm get, I, I'm getting better. Uh, I've been actually leading up to this golf event that uh, you're probably going to talk about. I've been getting quite a few rounds in just so I don't embarrass myself too bad. Do you have your own clubs or do you oh, have yeah, to Oh, yeah, absolutely. In? No, I've been playing for years. It's just uh, I've been playing poorly for years. <laughs> <laughs> and we do mention that because in June uh, we've got the LPGA Meyer Classic coming up, and we um, I'm fortunate to be the director of communications for the Celebrity Pro-Am. Beautiful. And, you know, Jay has been kind enough to join us this year. He's going to bring his bride out there with him. You know, and, you know, it's, I can't tell the story now. I just thought about it. It's kind of like your um, Ray Donovan thing I just remembered. Oh, okay. I'll tell you the story off air. Um, But it's such a great event. Um, Simply Give is what Meyer uses all their funds for. And that celebrity pro-am is just an absolute blast. And to have bona fide celebrities such as, People like Jay Adams out there. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just ex- excited to be a part of it. Uh, I try. I love doing charity work as much as I can. And uh, I mean, shoot, do, playing golf is uh, you can't beat that. You know, and it's for a charity. So yeah, I'm really excited to be a part of the event. Yeah, this is a question that I mean, you don't have to do charity work. You're so busy and all that kind of stuff. What motivates you to give back? Um, I just I'm really. Everything that I have in my life, I'm super lucky to have got. And so I, I, I try to re- always remember that I am super lucky. Um, I have health. I have you know a great job. I get to do a lot of really cool things. And I try not to forget that there's a lot of people out there that aren't as lucky as I am. Um, so I always like to give back. Uh, and I just I like making people smile, man. You know what I mean? Uh, I love that's why I love the the United Cerebral Palsy events. The, some of the kids come out and they, uh, they just seeing them have such a blast at the event. It, it's great. So um, yeah, I just I, I, I'm a very lucky person. I'll never I try never ever to forget that, and I want to make sure that I can uh, give back whenever I can. Very cool. I just want to quickly follow up Jay on your wrestling career. Yeah. So what years were we looking at? I wrestled from 2002 till 2014, and I still every once in a while I'll do an event here and there, but I'm officially retired. I'm not a full-time wrestler, but I will from time to time do little you know, specialty events here and there. So you were wrestling pretty much at the end of the Monday Night Wars then? Uh, right after the Monday Night Wars, right, right when uh, Vince bought WCW, right about after that is when I, I got into it. But the, the wrestling's been cool because I got to, you know, I wrestled for a long time, so I got to meet a lot of these play, got these guys that I grew up watching, yeah. like uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And, uh, uh, yeah, he became a good buddy of mine. I talked to him, you know. And, uh, well, you could be his stunt double in, yeah, like, exactly. 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> oh! uh, I got to wrestle with guys like Tito Santana and the, uh, the oh Steiner God. brothers and uh, Road Warriors and stuff. You know, I've gotten to wrestle these guys that I grew up watching. It's Is this been, like a amazing. Jurassic Park attraction? Because those are some old school. Oh man. yeah, no. Well, that's uh, that's, a, that's the thing the about the wrestling sport. business. Eh? The, old school, the old school wrestlers is the best. I yeah. Well, 
Old oh, school wrestling is like Bobo Brazil and the Bulldog Stomper Duncan. and Tex yeah. McKenzie and guys got, like that. Got it, Cobo Hall. Oh, the um, Mighty Igor. You yeah. said the Steiner brothers. Those were the guys that wore, wore the Michigan varsity jackets. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were from they were from Bay City. Yeah. Yeah, they wrestled. Uh, uh, they, yeah, they were amateur wrestlers for U of M for a long time. And then uh, they transitioned into pro wrestling. And I got to wrestle them the first time that they had teamed up in like 10 years. Wow. In Bay City, in their hometown, I got to be a bad guy wrestling those two together. It was really cool. <laughs> what was the crowd like? Oh, they, it was great. It, you know, being a bad guy is so fun. Uh, it's so fun to get the people to hate you. <laughs> like, as weird as that sounds, uh, but it's a blast. But it was so easy. I didn't have to do much on that one. Uh, they were just ready to cheer, cheer the uh, the Steiner brothers on. We started out where Rick Steiner was out there, and me and another guy attacked him. Scott comes out and makes a save, and all of a sudden, those two guys are in the ring together, staring us down, and the crowd just went insane. Did, did, getting hit with a chair, is that real? Because it looks like sometimes there oh, yeah. seems to be blood when maybe there wasn't blood in the script. Well, the thing is, what people, people like to say, wrestling, you always hear, oh, wrestling's fake, wrestling's fake. Wrestling is entertainment. I always tell people, wrestling, the outcomes are pre- predetermined, but what we do in the ring... We do, we do some serious stuff. I mean, like I said, I, I broke my back in the ring back in 2012. Um, you know, getting hit with a chair, there's no way to fake that. Getting, you know, put up in the air, six and a half feet, drop to your back. Yeah, the ring's got a l- little, little bit bounce, of padding, yeah, yeah. but that still hurts. <laughs> Going through tables, that stuff hurts. <laughs> when you break your back, does it, does it immediately stop? Do people know you're hurt? Do you have to say, hey, okay, it's over. Don't <laughs> Let's not go to the next choreographer event or whatever well actually I, I actually finished that match you've got to be and, kidding and i didn't go to the hospital until the next day because i thought that i thought it was just uh i broke my ribs in the back or something see what happened is i had the guy on my back it was a tag team match and we're wrestling at this high school the place is just packed full of all these high school kids going crazy so i have them on my shoulders and the move is i'm supposed to sit down to my butt and it's kind of like a backbreaker on him but he's supposed to slide off my shoulders well most of his weight stayed on my shoulders. When I dropped down on my butt, it compressed my spine, broke one vertebrae, oh. and it crushed another one. Well, I felt it. I felt it right away, and I laid down. I'm like, oh, man, I'm really hurt. And the guy that I was wrestling, it was <laughs> to his credit, <laughs> he goes, we're almost done. Just finish up. <laughs> I was like, all right, so here we go. And uh, But in the middle of a match, your adrenaline's pumping so hard. And that's the thing. Yeah, getting hit in the head with a steel chair, it hurts, but your adrenaline's pumping so hard, you kind of like, you, you kind of just fight right through it. So I just fought right through it. I finished the match, and uh, then the next day I was like, yeah, maybe I should go in. And it turned out, yeah, I broke one vertebrae and crushed another one. <laughs> wow. Did That's- you get T-shirts made? Like Austin 316, I just no, broke I, your back? <laughs> no, I, 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 actually, my T-shirts, every, every wrestler makes their own shirts and sells them at shows, but mine were pretty cool. Comic book related. I had a, a buddy of mine draw up a picture of me because my moniker was the Motor City Monster, Eddie Venom. So I had him draw me as Godzilla, like huge, in the Detroit skyline, punching like the Renaissance mm-hmm. Center and stuff like that. And I, the way I filmed it up, you know, framed it up, made it look like it was a comic book cover. And those those are those shirts sold like crazy. So there's you still have any? Of, I, I'm out, but I'm gonna. Uh, I might make some new ones just because of some stuff coming up. So I might make some new ones. Oh, you uh, could sell them here. I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Some stuff coming up. Anything you want to announce? 
No, no, not right now. It's all preliminary, but we'll see. Uh, the uh, fine purveyor of uh, Podcast One or Podcast Detroit. Oops, <laughs> I said the wrong one. He uh, he knows some stuff. He might have some stuff. You coming see up. how that works. You see how you're thinking of something, <laughs> and then you verbalize it completely screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Jay, you understand what I'm saying, right, yeah, Ryan? I do. I do, Ryan. Jay Ryan, <laughs> Jay Ryan Adams is our guest. Yeah. <laughs> hey, my middle initial is R, man. Good be. Jay Ryan Eddie Venom Adams. Yeah, exactly. Not to be confused with Eddie Vetter. That's what I first thought you said. <laughs> yeah, no, right. I, I, how can Eddie Vetter let you get away with that? I uh, used to sing with his band from Seattle. Uh, <laughs> we still do stuff every once in a while. <laughs> Some people like us. <laughs> well, Jay, you've given us 45 minutes of great stuff we really want to thank you i know you've got another event that you've got to attend tonight yes sir and uh we really appreciate you coming in we appreciate your hockey acumen we appreciate everything that you do for the community look forward to seeing you in june oh i'm thanks for having me man i love doing this kind of stuff and like i said i'm just lucky to be able to play hockey with you guys and uh play some golf i'm excited well when you play hockey with us we'll let you know but it's good to see you out on the ice <laughs> take care guys yeah. Say it, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Jay. Really appreciate it. You know, one of the things we always um, we always talk about on the alumni side is when people say good luck, we always tell people we don't need luck. We need restraint. <laughs> and that UCP game, which is a lot of fun, you know, but it's one that we don't necessarily worry about them kind of pushing us to the limit, you know, of skating hard. So with that, speaking about hockey, we've got the playoffs going on right now. You bet. You know, and I, I hate to lead with it, but I do. I want to lead with the Las Vegas Winnipeg series, who I remember when the playoffs started talking in our locker room on the alumni side where they were like, you know what, it's good that they made the playoffs, but that's it. And I said no because I believed Art and I believed Eddie when you guys were telling me that these were the 12th best guys on each team. And so they had a different viewpoint. Well, in a way, most of them, a lot of them were first or second round draft picks who didn't. You know who I equate it to is the 2004 Pistons? Because they were kind of a red, you know, Chauncey Billups was like on his fifth team or something. Ben Wallace was a throw-in in the sign and trade for uh, Grant Hill uh, from, uh, from Orlando. I mean, I kind of looked at it as a, uh, a, as a point of, these were guys that all had try a chip on their shoulder. Then you throw in a Stanley Cup caliber goaltender, Mark Andre Fleury, and it's still amazing because he was hurt. You know, he got hurt against the Red Wings very early on in the season and didn't play very much for a while. And they they still somehow managed to win. And to top it off, and I know that he's one of the you know Ryan. I know you know him. He's former Red Wing Gerard Gallant is an excellent excellent hockey coach and i think everyone's rooting for him considering the way he was treated in florida so it's it's just a perfect storm it's an incredible story the uh, golden knights and you know especially the leadership from from really the two people you touched on last gerard gallant uh you know the way that uh he's just got the players to believe in themselves and obviously mark andre Fleury, you see him uh tickling blake wheeler's ear and just smiling and making saves and uh, you know the leadership from those two positions. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a great story to watch. I mean, it's must see TV every time they're coming on the edge. Do you think if they continue and they're one game away from the Stanley Cup final, if they were to win the Stanley Cup, does that is that good or bad for the National Hockey League as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I think in a cap world, um, I mean, it's 
in a cap world. I think it's I think it's a good thing. I mean, obviously, it's going to make other you know fan bases want their franchises to win the, the Stanley Cup that much faster. They say, look at it, but really operating from from zero and and all the the contracts and different personalities you have to manage. Uh, obviously, they had a they got it right. Like, there's uh, obviously been expansion teams before, but I think George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon really you know did a great job of of plugging in the right pieces and and they're set up i was thinking about that the other day and, and having a discussion with uh, a colleague the other day that you know they win there you know there is uh, some rumors that they were close to acquiring uh, eric carlson at the deadline or you know minutes away and they've got so much flexibility it's it's going to be interesting to see what kind of run and uh they can go on they got a ton of draft picks to you know and assets so yeah it's uh very very interesting story well uh, we're talking to former red wing draft pick uh Picked second overall in the 1980 draft, right behind Yuri Fisher. 1980. Oh, I mean 1998. Born, born in 1980. 19, <laughs> 1998. 1998 draft. So, so sorry. Uh, See how this works, Art? Well, it's I, not I, just you know me. I was, you know, I was thinking too hard because I was going to say Jay Barnes is our guest. This is a joke. But, but, but Ryan, Barnes, uh, uh, Ryan Barnes is our guest. You know, the way it's set up in Seattle now is the next expansion team. And, and they, they've got to give them the same draft they, they, rules. I as mean, they, the NHL's already said that it, when Seattle comes in, it's going to be the same. It, it's identical. Yeah. So let's say two years from now, are the two top teams in the Western Conference Seattle and Vegas? <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, the NHL is so close and such a tough league to win. I mean, you, you got, you know, even another story I think is, is you know, been a great, uh, great story to follow is Colorado. Like, they were one of the worst teams in the right. league. And and you had Ottawa. They were one win away from the Stanley Cup final a year ago, right. and now a bottom four team in the league. And you know, again, I think it's 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 hard to stay on top for for a long period of time. Well, the astounding thing when you look at the Red Wings season is they were, I believe, it's ten, fourteen, and thirteen in one goal games. So they lost twenty seven one goal games, and they pointed to that a lot. I mean, obviously. You've got to score two more to win, but, I'm, but what I'm saying is, is that that's pretty incredible. I mean, that they not that they were involved in 37 one-goal games. Almost half of their season were one-goal games. It's, it's unbelievable. And again, that's go, going back to my earlier point of how close the National Hockey League is, and and you know you turn that around, they're probably sitting in a, a first-round matchup and. Who knows? Yeah, against Stevie and Tampa, maybe, but still, I mean, that but they could they could have been. And you're right. It's such a fine line. It is such a fine line. And, and but that's a hard salary cap, right? I mean, you're you're an agent now. I mean, you know that. I mean, it's uh, uh, and that's why this upcoming draft and drafting is essential because you have to build. And I'm not even saying you know those Red Wing teams that we just had. You know, Iserman, Nick, Sergey, uh, Darren. A lot of them were drafted by Detroit. Yep. You know, Ozzy too. So I mean, so they so they. I mean, they they've gotten it right. But the, the draft is essential and i'm being captain obvious here now if you if you if you want to build a team i mean obviously the the leafs were going through some tough times <laughs> and they had the fortunes of the draft with william Nylander and mitchell marner and and obviously austin matthews right. so it's uh yeah and that's how you can turn your your fortunes around and even the way stevie's done things in tampa with with headman and stamkos if but it's, as a casual fan a couple things on that did toronto turn their fortunes around 
I What's guess Toronto doing right now? They've made the playoffs a couple of years. And, and so is that the new Detroit model? All we need to do is make the playoffs? They still got to get better on the blue line, I think, Toronto. I, I, I think that, you know, I know Babs was really wanted Luke Lendenning to add some, you know, some grit and character, a good face-off guy. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of curious, Ryan. Were you surprised, because all of us that have covered Mike Babcock know that he's a big fan of Mike Babcock. And... He kind of grates on players. He kind of grates on players at times, but he's an excellent coach. You can't, you, you cannot uh, deviate from his from his record. Were you surprised that he flew out to Arizona to talk to Austin Matthews because there's some rift between them, or at least reported by the Canadian yeah, press? No, I, I played for for Mike for two years in the American Hockey League, and actually they were his first two years uh, in professional hockey. Uh, with the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks back. Right, right, because the Red Wings and Ducks when, were uh, when they uh, merged, closed, right? Closed shop in Adirondack for uh, a couple of years. We temporarily went to Cincinnati. So that's how they got. That's how the Red Wings actually became aware of Babcock, and that's why they wanted to hire him. Jim Neal was really impressed with the job he did with Cincinnati. Yeah, and Mike Mike pushes buttons, and and he's a he's a competitor, and he wants to win. And I think no, I, to answer your question, uh, am I surprised that he you know flew out to to Arizona to to patch things up or you know have a have a conversation i mean it's a partnership between your best players and your coach so uh not at all and they need austin matthews to be austin matthews and they need mitch marner to be as good as mitch marner can be so uh ultimately in, in the national hockey League, it is a uh, more than any other sport i believe it's a partnership with the players and the coaches you know toronto's a great market it's a great city i love going there uh, you know, growing up in Detroit, you know, my joke always was I, I didn't even realize that Ontario wasn't like the 51st state until I was like 13, you know. Uh, but uh, do you, could this be a John Tavares situation? I'm asking you to really read into this. If, if he can't patch it up, that Matthews would, uh, you know, a hockey-crazy market like Toronto want to maybe play it out to unrestricted free agency and maybe perhaps play in the United States. And it's five years down the road. I think Austin would, would have to play. Uh, you know, right, I know he's young. Right, so right. I mean, and again, John Tavares. I mean, every I'm sure every team in the league, if he goes to the free market July one, every single team is going to make a pitch. And, and right. obviously, you can go over the salary cap in the summertime. And if you have a chance to get John Tavares, you're gonna you're gonna do right, everything right. you can, and then you'll figure out the salary cap uh, uh, later on. So. Um, yeah, so I don't know if those two kind of go hand in hand, but well, yeah, I guess I would imagine, and you know, is that if 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 it were a relationship that could it was beyond repair, I would think that Toronto, and I don't know this for a fact, and I'm thinking out loud, and as much as I respect and like Mike Babcock, he always treated me extremely well, and uh, is that they would let him go before they would try to lose Matthews, don't you think? No, but, no. You think they would keep the coach? I don't Especially now uh, you know, that Ryan, they got... That's a bad question. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> Your Honor, I withdraw the question. <laughs> they already got rid of Lamarillo, right? So at that point, you're going to get rid of Lamarillo and Brendan Shanahan? No, not no. Brendan. No, I'm, I'm talking about I mean, getting rid I of mean, Babcock. Uh, Babcock. And the question Who knows? You, the... know, you never know. With, you know. Brendan played for Mike, too. And, you got you know, a 32-year-old GM. He did. Maybe, and the question was retracted too, but uh. okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 really. I'm not. I'm not I, 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 I am sorry. No. I mean, so, Ryan's not as big as our our buddy Jay, but he's still pretty damn big. It could give me a forearm here, so I'm, I'm going to shut could up. Could give you, but I want to go back real quick on Las Vegas. Is it just a foregone conclusion? Is there any other coach of the year? 
other than Spuddy, Gerard Gallant? I don't think so. It's, I mean, you know, it's just a formality now, I would imagine. You know, I think all the votes are in, though. I think you've already had to vote. But uh, it has to be him. It's it, got to it, be. It has to be. I mean, I, I, you know, for a guy who was just such a abrasive MFer on the ice mm-hmm. as a player, and, you know, I, I've said this before, you know, Steve Eiserman's only regret in his Red Wing career, his professional hockey career as a player, was not winning the Stanley Cup with Gerard Gallant, who was his roommate, which tells you exactly what type of person Gerard Gallant is. I mean, he, Newman, every, you know, they only were here once, and then he was here for the, uh, the closing of the Joe, and I, uh, I, you know, I went up to him. He is about the most affable, decent, very easygoing guy you're ever going to meet, He's which like, su- surprised me because of the, way, the kind of the player he was. Well, he was like Rick Tockett without the gambling problem. <laughs> okay, that was Newman. It wasn't me. I know I've said a lot of weird things today, too. But <laughs> So then based on Gallant, right, and McPhee has done a, just a fantastic job there, what do you see for Seattle, then? Well, it depends on who. I, I depends on who they hire. I mean, you know, who I, do you think? I, well, they're going to get. I, I would assume that they're not going to go out and get the uh, the next up and coming GM. They're going to get one with experience. You know, certainly, Red Wing general manager Ken Holland has been rumored by several that maybe you know because he loves British Columbia and you know Seattle's right there that maybe he will go to uh, uh, that he could possibly. Uh, end up in Seattle. I'm not saying that. I think Ken Holland wants to stay in Detroit. I think he wants to see this through, rebuild another Stanley Cup and perennial powerhouse. Uh, well, Cup he's got nobody pushing him, so why wouldn't Kenny well, Holland want to leave? Why right, would but, Kenny but, Holland want to leave? But here? I am saying that you know his name has already been floated, you know, and I think because of where he chooses to live in the summers and you know out in British Columbia, people are thinking, well, you know, Detroit, you know, he's been there twenty some odd years or whatever. Boom, maybe maybe he might go there. But I think it'll be an experienced general manager who has NHL experience. You know, McPhee was very, very successful uh, as a general manager. Maybe he didn't win a Stanley Cup with uh, Washington, but, uh, you know, I, I would assume that, you know, certainly that's what they'll look at is somebody, and, and I think they will follow the Vegas model. I wouldn't be surprised if... The, the blueprint is, is right there. Right, right. It's you right know, there. right. You know, that if they somehow try to pill for somebody in the hierarchy of the Knights, if, if you're the, whatever Seattle's going to call themselves, just to kind of who was there from the ground up and, and maybe well, help Ke- him Kelly out a little McCrimmon bit. Kelly is uh, George McPhee's ex- assistant right, general right. manager who's been through it before. So, You know, but, now actually that could be a guy who could, could yeah. actually be their general manager. Yeah. Right. No, you know, yeah. Some, some, some of the things like keeping on the Knights uh, topic here, the Columbus Blue Jackets gave up a first-round pick for the Knights not to select Josh Anderson and expose William Carlson who went from Six goals to 40. 43 goals. <laughs> right, right. And, he, you know, I got the game winner the other night. So it's. And he, uh, and he yeah. has a really, really fine head of hair, too, Carlson. He does. Yeah, he does. Wow. He does. His girlfriend's on Dancing with the Stars. And, <laughs> what the know, hell is this? Who's his girlfriend? Oh, I don't know her. I can't remember her name. But she's right on now, Dancing with the Stars. Oh, is she, is she a dancer? She's not a contestant. Uh, no, she's not a contestant. So she's, she's a professional she's on, dancer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're talking well, that points, means, not poles. That means very, right? very in shape and sleek <laughs> he, he's body. He's got them both. He's got them both. <laughs> so with that, would you guys both agree then that Vegas is moving on? They're one win away. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm kind of torn because of the Michigan connection on the Winnipeg Jets, but I can't, I can't see how Vegas is not uh, 
I can't see them losing three games in a row. Although I will say this, you know, Winnipeg has only lost three games in a row, I believe, once this entire season. And, you know, and they were in those games. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury right now has got to be the MVP of the playoffs. I mean, he's, I, he's, he's, he's without, I you agree. know. I think uh, the Golden Knights uh, coaching staff players are they're, uh, taking home a lot of hardware this, this, uh, this offseason. I, I agree with that, too. Are you guys as smitten with the Vegas openings as the Internet seems to be when they do their, you know, before the player introductions out there in Vegas? Yeah. I mean, Have you seen any they're, of them? Are, I, like, yeah. yeah. But it's Vegas, right? That's they do everything like it's, that. It does whether it's a Golden Knights or you know uh, uh, the girls of Glitter Gulch. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. You know uh, whether it's a Sons of Anarchy reunion, you know, led by led, led by Buddy Jay, it's going to be a big opening. No, I mean I I noticed the openings. People are just starting to talk about it now that the team is in the conference final. But they're doing the same thing all playoffs. I guess so. It's not like it's something they. They've uh, yeah they're they're doing a great job of showmanship and I just think the you hear the players talk about it the energy in the building is there it's just it it helps you know they've lost one game at home all playoffs and you know and, and, and when they started their season and their opening night because of the tragedy of the shooting in Las Vegas right uh, if there's any good and there's no good that really comes out of something like that but it galvanized that city and that team and I think that those players who were all just kind of thrown into Las Vegas became vegas residents like overnight i mean there was a there's a special bond and i think it's really important in the way vegas did their opening night and then the retirement of the number for for the survivors and all you know i mean you know even though i know their twitter account really gets raked over the coals because it's a little bit you know uh Pretend. Yes, yes, I'm professional. So that's a good way to put it. Uh, it's truly unprofessional. But so is the lighthouse. But, so. they, but the building of the club and certain nights that they've had their opening night, and then what they did for the uh, for the victims of the shooting, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they've done it right. They've actually done it right. It is a blueprint for success, and and I really think if they win the Stanley Cup, I think it is the greatest achievement, regardless of. The, the, the way the draft was set up for them, and you can go on and on and on about it, but you still have to pick the players. You still have to come together as a team. You still have to coach them. I think it would be the greatest accomplishment in the history of professional team sports, period, at least in North America. I, now, I, I are you, a Hollywood movie made for Hollywood. Right, movie no right question. There. Are you qualifying that as professional sports to get away from the 80 Olympic team? The 1980 Olympic team, the Miracle on Ice, which, let's be honest, I mean, I remember watching that game at Madison Square Garden where they were waxed like 10-1 or 10 nothing, you know? And then the next thing I know, you know, Team U. But, yeah, you know, look, it. if you look back at that, why they put old Tretiak in that game, which they pretty much handed the Americans the, uh, I mean, because Tretiak by far was the best goalie in the world at that point. I mean, he was really revolutionary. I mean, you know, he, he's, you know, I, I grew up idolizing Ken Dryden, but I'm telling you right now, uh, Tretiak was just incredible, and I, the coach was PO'd at him during that game for somehow and pulled him. And once he pulled him, you know, that kind of, you know, I would imagine if you got a, let's say, Hall of Fame netminder, Ryan, and you're playing the game, and suddenly in the middle of the game the coach pulls him, that's got to be an instant boost of confidence and adrenaline to the opposition. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, you're staring down Tretiak and, Next thing you know, he's out of there. It's you know, this, here's our chance, guys. It's, and that's you know, and Herb Brooks. I mean, obviously, I was I was born in 1980, but obviously, love the love the movie, right, and right. love watching with my boys and stuff. And 
and uh, he had them ready for that that moment. And, uh, yeah, no, it was a uh, great, great movie, great story as well. He really did. You know, it, and it's interesting, that movie, because it does show you that Herb Brooks knew. He knew that, you know, nine out of ten times they would lose to the then-Soviets, the then-Soviet Union, which was basically the Red Army team. But he knew that all we need to win is one game. And boom, he had he did have them ready. It's fa- it's it is a fascinating story. I know the Canadians hate us talking they about do. the miracle. They on do. Ice all just the time. shocked at but how pissed off the Canadian hockey players get whenever I mention it. You know, it's like well, look, look at us. I mean, we're perennial. Like we're the best players in the world for the most part per capita. And you guys, you know, all you can talk about is a miracle on ice. I mean, you know, it's like uh, you know they're old men now. You know, but. What they did was extraordinary. I don't know what's going on with Canada over at the... Uh, they lost. No, wait a minute. Switzerland wait a minute, wait a minute. beat them. <laughs> they did. Yes, Canada Come lost. On. So Canada and the United States are playing, playing for the, for the bronze, bronze medal. Which is good for the United States because since they were so horrible today, nothing is better than facing the Canadians who they beat in a shootout 5-4 in, in, in the world. So Canada lost. What the hell? Switzerland, I thought that they would lose to uh, yeah, I, Finland. I mean, what's going on with them? Again, it's just so. Uh, yeah, they're sorry, Ryan. Hockey, hockey being such a global global game. <laughs> sorry, right? Canada lost. Wow, I was well, just well. about to check my phone and see. Yeah, the game started at three o'clock today. And you know what? Before we oh, go wow. to break, I, and we're going to talk about worlds a little bit after we come off break. Um, but I did want to talk about Tampa Bay, Washington. So that one looked like it was up, down. Now it's. What are your thoughts? Well, going back to Tampa, I mean, I, I thought that Vasilevsky stood in his head last game. Um, you know, the game three, uh, being down 2 nothing on the road, Tampa came out and played their best game, and obviously uh, Caps took a few penalties, and Vasilevsky, game four, stood on his head and, and stole one after being outshot badly. So now you got a best two out of three with Tampa with home ice, and anything can happen. And, I mean, it's that's also a fun storyline to follow with, you know, Ovechkin aging and chasing his uh, his uh, first first Stanley Cup and it's uh, it's again it's a fun one to watch. He's on, especially on the power play. Ovi uh, really going against the norm of the NHL, staying on the ice for two and a half minutes straight, just wow. wanting to yeah. score so bad. So um, it's going to be a great series and, and uh, back in Tampa tonight. So we'll see. You know, I have a confession. Obviously, uh, here we go. I'd like to see Steve Eiserman. Uh, of course, win. you would. You know. I, you know, uh, you know, Stevie is a, uh, you know, iconic here in Detroit. But red's my favorite color, and I've always liked the Washington Capitals for the moment that I like that uniform. I, I swear, honest to gosh. But the reason is, except when they went to the, like the postal worker colors when they put face the Red Wings. Remember that thing with the eagle? Oh yeah, and the yeah, blue yeah, yeah. The Ally Afraidy days. Yeah, yes. right. It, it it certainly did look like to me like they were work, they were the team representing the United States Post Office. But anyway, they went back to you know variation of of the red uniform. So I've always kind of had a soft spot in my heart for the Capitals, and I kind of think that their run reminds me of the '97 Red Wings who at that point, and Newman, you might remember this, is that they were kind of written off at that point. Remember, Eisenman wasn't a big, le- good leader. He was, there, there were trade rumors. Uh, you know, the Red Wings were compared to the Atlanta Braves, the greatest team that never won anything. And then, lo and behold, you know, they put it together in 97. You know, March 26, uh, 1997, you know, Darren, the whole Lemieux thing, they came together. 
Uh, they didn't, you know, the playoffs, and they went back-to-back cups, the tragedy with the limo accident. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that I really have a feeling, and, and maybe this is a fan's perspective because Ryan being a former player, you know, maybe, you know, players don't think about this stuff, but I actually think that this might be Washington's time. I think that they, you know, getting over that Pittsburgh hump was huge. It was absolutely huge. And now in a strange sense, I don't know how much pressure is really on them. They're almost playing that expression house money at this point. No, not anymore. No, uh, they yeah, got, I, I think, you know, I think getting over the Pittsburgh hump was huge. You know, taking the first two games in, in Tampa was, was huge. And now it's kind of like you're at, the, at that spot. You get, you know. You blew Tampa it. Tampa comes back, takes them right back. So it's you gave it all away. You know, but they didn't yeah. play poorly, though. I mean, so, Tam- I, I mean, you're, I you're think, right, Vasilevsky. Look, <laughs> if you're the Winnipeg Jets right now, there can't be a, a team that's more frustrated than Winnipeg in these playoffs mm-hmm. because of the way Mark Andre Fleury's playing. But you can look at Vasilevsky, especially the last game, and you know, I, I mean, again, and I'm asking you, Ryan, because you, you know you've been there. I mean, when you sit there and you think, look, if I we mean, keep I doing if, everything, I think even if I was Barry Trotz, you know, say. We, we got a two out of three with Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, we all would have taken this opportunity to be here at this point right. in the year. And, you know, I think you got to forget about those last games three and four. So um, I don't know if, if after losing those last two games, if they're still feeling it's our year. After game well, one and two, I would agree with you. After yep. game three well, and four. Can a goaltender get into not only one player's head, but collectively a full team's head. I mean, and, uh, and how do you get yourself out of that if you know, gosh, we're all kind of way <laughs> gripping those sticks and thinking signed, way too much? You signed Sean Avery. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one way. Although I was texting him the other day, he said he doesn't, still doesn't own a pair of skates. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, He's one of the most unique players I've ever met, too. Uh, unique uh, is a word, yes. <laughs> absolutely. I, uh, yeah, it's I a family show. You know, here's the thing. You talk about Washington, and you compare them with the 97, right? But I think the big difference there, in 97, you know, you had Shanahan come on board, and you also had Koser come on board, right? And Koser made up, and I'm not kissing his ass because I don't need to, but Johnny Wharton has always said the three things that the 97 team had that nobody else had was Shanahan, Koser and Fedorov. Well, well, first of all, Sergey uh, is one of the, he might be as far as a two-way player the greatest player I've ever seen. I no, mean, he, he can't he, be because his number would be retired. Well, you we, we can get into that a little bit <laughs> later, but but you know, obviously Brendan obviously brought that power forward element that the Red Wings really needed mm. and he could score goals. And then Joey who came in and solidified, you know, the grind line and I remember when he came back and he had won a cup with the Rangers, and you know I had known him obviously before. And, and I said, you know, I said, you know, Joe or Joey, even though I guess he was Joe Coaster in New York. I said, you know, Joey, what's the difference between the Rangers winning the cup and 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 now the Red Wings? I mean, wh- why can't the Red Wings do it and the Rangers could? You know, first of all, he said that Mark Messier, the first day of training camp, said we're going to win a Stanley Cup, and they did. They had, uh, you know, so Messier, obviously, incredible leader, but he said it's trust. Trust in your teammates. He goes, if you don't trust your teammates, what happens is is that you start doing their job and not your own, and then you have chaos on the ice. He goes, and sometimes, because there was so much pressure on these Red Wing teams, if something wasn't going their way, guys kind of played not their game, tried to play everybody else's game and, and, and make up for teammates' mistakes. He goes, and that's, that was the difference, was trust. He goes, but this Red Wing team obviously trusts one another. And that they don't play outside themselves. I always, 
I mean, I, every time I see Joe, he probably hates me telling him that, but I, I, I've never forgotten that. And, uh, you know, so I, I just think that at this point, when I look at Washington, I think that Ovechkin, I mean, he knows, as Ryan said, this is the... Uh, this is his great you know, moment. This, is this the last kick at the can for him? I mean, they're getting older. Their oh, roster is kind of in flux. Barry Trotz is an excellent coach, as we know. Uh, it, is he still good enough to almost single-handedly win this? No, he, he needs the support from Kuznetsov and Backstrom and Johnny and, and Carlson. And John Carlson. And, I mean, he does have a nice and, support staff, not quite as vast and, as the Red Wings And you know what tells had. me that he, he really believes this is his possibly last shot at it is the other night, he's you know diving and blocking a slap shot. I mean, you typically don't see Ovechkin do that that type of stuff, and it's obviously got to be pretty inspiring to his teammates too. Where right. you know, hundred million dollar. And at player. least he's not like Paul Coffey scoring on his goal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> while he's trying to block shots at the same time. Yeah. So I, I mean that. Even the announcers got it wrong. They, they, I think they announced that Oshie blocked the shot, and then he was like, actually, that, that was Ovechkin that blocked the <laughs> shot. Because so, the, the announcers didn't even know, uh, believe it, that he was That's how stunned out. they were. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great game tonight. So do you, Then ultimately, uh, Ryan, putting you a little bit on the spot here, do you, who do you see uh, hoisting the cup at the end of all of this? I, I got to go with Vegas. I mean, Fleury's playing great. I mean, the team's like the NHL now is just all about, you know, the ability to skate and, and attack and, and get the puck back quick when you don't have it. And, and Vegas, I think, just does that better than anybody right now with Mark andre Fleury playing the way he is. Team's on a roll. Uh, you touched on earlier the the city of Vegas uh, behind, the, behind the players. And, you know, I read something on Twitter, too, that the – the uh, composition of the the ticket the season ticket holders is it's like 85 percent vegas residents that hold those wow. tickets so yep. it's not people just in on the weekend and visiting going to games it's actually the vegas residents that are behind them so i mean it's like you said that's gotta gotta be pretty motivating to those guys and, and, and they've been that market's been longing for a professional team i, I always heard team. that the nba and the nhl you know uh, we're running a race who was going to be in that market first and it's proven out that because yeah, you're, you're right because of the gambling issue and all that but now what the supreme court did you, know, you can gamble anywhere now that uh, uh without question that uh, um you you know it's a it's a great it's a great sports market because as you said i mean there's like two million people or something live in that greater area i mean it's just one of those things i mean that's uh you know, it's a professional town. I mean, a professional sports town. It can it can take a, a, a be more to the team. All right. With that, we're going to take a break. Um, before we go to break, um, I want to remind you um, two of our sponsors. Right now, we want to thank them tremendously. First of all, Zot, the Zot Auto Group. All right. Jeff Schneider over there, right? Deals in the D dot com, and he wanted me to pass along that you can get art seriously. Okay. What a Jeep Compass Limited leather. Loaded, all-wheel drive for one hundred and sixty-nine dollars a month. That's it. That's it. And he said, if you don't like that, you can get a Ram fifteen hundred Bighorn four by four. Well, not the big four. Horn. Wait for it. One ninety-nine a month. Will it have a big hurt Ram horns on it as a Absolutely. hood ornament? Absolutely. I hope so. And what he wants me to articulate to you is when you call Jeff Schneider over there at Deals in the D. I can't wait. You want to mention. Art Regner for the best deal. Oh, really? Because if you mention Newman, they're going to make you pay more. So once again, <laughs> we want to thank Jeff Schneider over at DealsInTheD.com. Get there. We'll see you in a few minutes.
You know, one of the great things, Ryan, is we were just talking about Worlds off-air. And once again, we're at the um, Motor City Comic Convention here at the Novi Showplace. Uh, we are live. Is there any other way to be, I guess, at this point? Once again, you if you're listening on the Internet, you can also listen to us on the Podcast Detroit app. Just download that, and you can catch us live. Normally, we're on Wednesdays from 4 till 5. This, we did a special, you know, Ryan Barnes and Art Regner were in such demand, we had to bring them out. So as we were talking about Worlds a little bit, talking about um, the nightmare that is Belarus right now, and, you know, they got rid of Dave Lewis, but Ryan, who wears number 52 for your Detroit Red Wings, how, how did you get 52? So... I was a big Darren McCarty fan uh, growing up, you know, as, as I followed the wings as a kid and uh, the Leafs wings rivalries, I was, you know, really like Mac and there were some comparables that we kind of played a uh, similar style of game. Um, again, I started wearing that number maybe when I was 15, 16 years old and so I always wore number number 25. And then when you go to training camp, they just give you the number and you're a young kid so you just keep your mouth shut and you take the take the number they they give you uh but then uh obviously was uh, fortunate enough i got the call for my my first nhl game um drove up uh, practice in the morning with the griffins and drove up to the to the wings that night and paulie said what number you want i said well obviously you can't wear 25 so how about 52 so uh getting getting dressed in the locker room at joe lewis before the game and and uh louis came up to me and and wasn't really happy with me like right before my first nhl game and he's like and i'm like i had no idea and he goes you took the only record i ever had as a red (laughs) wing and i had no idea that he was the only player in franchise history that wore number 52 and so he actually like was was like you know thanks a lot you took the only record i ever had and uh and i said and i I even said to louis i said louis i'll change i'll go back to paulie i'll go back to you know my number seventy-eight training camp number. I don't care. You know I was just, and uh, you know I guess it was too late at that point, and uh, so I obviously played played that game, and and then played another one down the road uh, later in the season. But uh, yeah, it was uh, something that was uh, I, I wow. was, wasn't aware of, and and yeah, Louis basically come, you know called me out before the game, and I was like kind of thinking, hey, the coach might want to talk to me about the the forecheck or something, or uh, <laughs> and it was like no, he was he was. Uh, a little annoyed that I had took his only uh, the, the, uh, the distinction of being the only player that uh, wore number fifty-two. But then after that, Johnny Erickson came along, and uh, yes. so Johnny saved my saved me uh, from from that uh, distinction. So, well, so, at least yeah. you can honestly say you're not the worst person ever wearing number fifty-two. <laughs> well, well, right. You know, although you know Erickson's Mister Irrelevant. You know, he was the last player taken in the his draft year. Yeah, yeah. No, and Johnny's had a great career with the with the Wings. I know yes. Newman. Newman's hard on him. Sometimes. I'm not hard on him. A lot of fans, the fans are. Fans are hard on him. Fans are hard I'm on him. I'm not a fan. I'm a member of the elite. Maybe even the media now. So I'm not hard. Well, without question, you you definitely are. You 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 uh you, you're part of the Detroit Sports Broadcasters Association. Right? I am, as a matter of fact. Thank you for that plug. There you go. So I know. I, I mean, see, I know Newman. I, I I keep tabs on you. I know what you're up to. <laughs> That's great. So with that, let's talk about the draft a little bit. You know, we've got Worlds going on right now, which is a potpourri 
well, tomorrow, of different players. Go ahead. You know, I think I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I think you know Team USA did not perform well. I mean, they actually the Swedish goaltender stood on his head in the first period, and the, the Americans were down. They outshot him like sixteen to eight, and then uh, the, the USA gave up a. Uh, three goals in like a three-minute span, and then were waxed by Team Sweden six nothing. Uh, and then Switzerland, I don't know how because I was surprised they beat Finland in the quarterfinals. In the semis, they beat Team Canada. I can't even believe that. that yeah, I can't either. So they're playing. Sweden is playing Switzerland for the gold, meaning that the Swedes, who are undefeated at the Worlds right now, are going to win gold tomorrow. Switzerland is going to win silver, and then it's between the Americans and the Canadians for bronze. I think the best thing for Team USA, because they were not happy and they were a little bit shell-shocked and embarrassed after the game, is to have them playing Canada. I think now yeah. they'll be motivated. I don't know what they would have been motivated if they had to play uh, Switzerland. Yeah, and I mean, even with, with Switzerland, I mean, beating a Canadian team with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins, and it's unbelievable. Right. It really is unbelievable, and now, obviously now it sets up a... Uh, Canada U.S. matchup for uh, for a bronze medal, and yeah, there's definitely going to be. Uh, you certainly don't want to come home uh, from Denmark empty-handed, so that should be a, should be a real uh, exciting, more one of the more exciting bronze medal games. Where are the worlds being shown Denmark. right now? No, no, no. I know where they're at, but the where's N- it being shown on TV? Uh, on the NHL Network. Okay, so if you don't have the NHL Network, then you've you got no. I wonder. We'll see. Oh, TSN shows them, so it wouldn't TSN be Channel Nine. It wouldn't be CBC in Windsor. No, then. not CBC. No, it's the uh, the NHL Network. And um, I mean, obviously, the good thing with the, the games being in Europe, they're on uh, fairly early in the morning, so you can catch that first game at seven. The next one, uh, right. like one o'clock. So, so yeah, I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think you know, even though it stings with the way the Team USA performed today. They can beat Canada and be two and zero against their, their their Canadian their fellow North Americans. I think that that would be you know Jeff Blaschel obviously Dylan Larkin Nick Jensen you know there's some uh, there's some high end talent but Ray Ferraro today said something really interesting Ryan and I want to get your 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 thoughts on this. Certainly Canada has a treasure trove of high end elite hockey talent. Treasure trove. And it yep. seems that when teams are eliminated. A lot of high-end Canadian players choose to play in the Worlds. Yep. Ray Ferraro today was saying, I'm not saying anything against this team because there's some, you know, Patrick Kane, Johnny Goodrow, Dylan Larkin. We can go on. He says, but there are a lot of Americans who should be here that aren't yep. and that that has to change. And so I'm kind of wondering, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Austin Matthews was hurt towards the end of the year. You know, he hasn't played the last couple of years when, when Toronto was eliminated. I don't know what the deal is with Jack Eichel. He might be hurt. I, I'm not sure. But there does seem to be, you know, defensively on the blue line, there could be. I, is, you know, I, I know that you're Canadian, but, I mean, yeah, no, a lot, a what's, lot, what's the difference a between lot, a lot the of mindset? Factors, and, I mean, it's, I mean, that's raising in the uh, entertainment business, so he's he's got to say things like that. But there are a lot of factors that the average – fan doesn't under doesn't always get to see where you know especially for you know some players it could be a contractual situation and, and getting the proper insurance to ensure ensure them to play in the tournament uh is always in consideration then obviously the rigors of the nhl season like you know some guys need that time and to recover and get ready to to play big minutes for their for their teams uh you know i know some team nhl management doesn't necessarily want their players so they behind the scenes they may 
coerce somebody, hey, you don't need to go take it easy. So, you know, there's all there's a lot of things behind the scenes that are going on to, to, well, and to, that was to an impact issue. those decisions. Dylan Larkin is a restricted free agent, so he's not technically going to be under contract to the Red Wings right now. They're going to get that deal done, obviously. But I, but 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 what I'm saying is is that we asked him because he he wanted to go to the Worlds when Jim Johansson died. Who was the head yeah. of USA Hockey? Dylan Larkin said, "I, I can't I'm wait to put on the the U.S. you know the USA jersey again." Is for him, and you know, and he's you know he, he's represented you know the USA in, in a lot of things. But we said, "Well, what about the insurance purposes?" And he said, "That was a bit of a stumbling block. I don't know if USA Hockey or or, or, or they worked it out." So, uh, so so he's definitely on it, and you know, you know, you have some high end clients. Yep. If they were to come to you as your as their agent and ask you. Where do you stand on something like should they play yeah, in the I mean, world or not? Last year, Mitch Marner he went over to Paris and joined the Le- or joined the Team Canada after the Leafs were eliminated. And actually, I went over and uh, spent a few days with him while he was there, and it was it was a great time. He loved it. Um, again, he's you know this summer I think the the opportunity was was there, and, and obviously he made the the choice. You know, I, I want to invest in, in my own. Uh, career here and hit the gym hit, or hit, whatever hit i need to do rest yeah. up and obviously right. that was a tough series against boston and and something these guys have so that was you know some of the he had done it last year and, and again even some of the guys they they haven't like mcdavid didn't do it last year he had an injury he's doing it this year so i mean canada and u.s they have enough players that they can kind of fill in without you know building a roster like they had for world cup or one of those olympic teams when they allowed nhl players to go Here's another unfair question that I, I, I will withdraw if you do not want to answer it. But is there a different mindset between Canadian and American hockey players when it comes to not so much the Olympics, because so they all want to go there, I understand, yeah. for the world championships? I mean, you know, Americans, it, it doesn't seem, and maybe because our country just doesn't embrace it, I don't know how big the worlds actually are in, in Canada either, because I've always heard, from you know yeah. over the years covering players they always say you know it it's not really a north american thing is the europeans are really into yeah, it the, the european fans are are crazy about the world championships and uh you know i don't think there's any difference i, I mean obviously you know being a national of whether it's the u.s or canada um you you want to represent your country it's and i just know like the guys that uh, that have went uh they really enjoy it i mean it's a it's a relaxed atmosphere Usually the uh, you know Hockey Canada or USA Hockey they set up tours for the families to, to see another culture. It's a great it's a great experience. So I, I would say it's uh, you know nationals from both sides of the border they they would they'd love to go. Right, you're in Denmark. I mean, you go to Copenhagen. I mean, you can get in a lot of trouble in that city. Yeah, I mean it's I mean it's fun a, trouble. Yeah, it's a, it's a again, it's, it's a little bit. Obviously, they're going there to win, but it's a. Uh, Is you know, there it's a little any bit, other kind? <laughs> But, it, but it's a little bit more of a relaxed atmosphere, you know, like you got seven preliminary round games, you know, this year, not, to, you know, I love Jimmy Peck and, but I mean, you know, probably Team USA can go out and have a little bit of fun uh, the night before they play Korea and it's still probably going to do okay, right? So, right. so the guys, you know, get to have a, a little bit of fun around. Well, but the rules got to be kind of, because Korea had like seven Canadians on their roster. Yeah. Yeah. How does that? I mean, do you uh, those players? From what I understand, I like Kim Chi. So you're going to put me on your roster? No, uh, those guys. Uh, Kim Chi. <laughs> it's Kim Chi. One word, not two. <laughs> Kim Chi. Kim Chi you know is a whore that I'm works down thinking, in Sunyari. Am I? Am I being racist by even saying that? I take no, that one back I mean, too. No, but from what I understand, obviously I watched uh, watched that story pretty closely, and I, 
before I got into the agent business, I, I coached in the OHL in Peterborough. So a few of those guys are from Peterborough, and they played pro hockey, I think, for two or three years. In, in, in Korea. In, in Korea, in the uh. Asian Hockey League. And then part of that, they knew the Olympics were coming, and they, they were issued uh, Korean passports. I know Mike Keenan, I, I guess he left on his own accord. Maybe he was fired. But is China the next big hockey power? They have really seem to invest <laughs> a lot into it. I'm not joking, yeah, Newman. No, I mean, there's China. A lot, the, the, there's a lot of uh, China. There's, there's a lot of talk about opportunities. Uh, Chinese players coming, coming to the U.S. to train to get ready for the next Olympics. And, yeah, I mean, I think there's infrastructure in place for them to build, like, 50 rinks for youth hockey. So it's... Uh, they're trying to build it. I mean, you know, they got some, you know, the ORG packaging group with the NHL as a major sponsor, and and uh, they do the the China games in every every uh, September uh, in Beijing and and uh, Beijing and Shanghai, I believe. Well, really, Shanghai, Be- Beijing. I only know, I you know, I know it's a huge country. I only know a couple yeah. of cities. I think they, they they did games in both cities last year. I stand with Taiwan. <laughs> Maybe that they'll be next. Isn't that Formosa? Mm. Formosa, yeah. The Formosa, yeah. Uh, you know, when it comes to China, <laughs> I'm sure the NHL would love to get in there. You know, and I'm sure they want to start building this up. But it's kind of like Jamaican bobsled to a lot of it. You really see China being a force in hockey. And if the NHL wants to spend money, they should probably spend it in Canada and the United States so that more people can actually see. We've got the Stanley Cup playoffs going on we've got conference finals and whenever i go to espn or any of you know the sports with the exception of obviously Sportsnet or tsn right you got to dig to find out what's going on in the conference finals with vegas one of the best stories that's happened in organized sports in the past how long has it been since 1980 long time long time speaking years. of so I don't know. And, you know, when it comes to Worlds, I love Worlds, right? But you asked the question about the difference between the Americans and the Canadians, right? The Canadians, they grew up with this. It's their blood. It's in their DNA, right? Americans don't have the same pride. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Americans don't have the same pride for the sport. And it's much like I don't necessarily disagree with what Miguel Cabrera said this week about I'm not playing hurt anymore, right? This is still their living of how they make their money. Well, he's not playing hurt anymore because he's 35. He gets hurt a lot now, you know. He's a pretty thick body. But I don't want to get into the Cabrera thing right now, but I will say this. This is what I think has really hurt the United States <laughs> is that <laughs> Donald J. Trump. Team USA has dropped a, has just dropped a bomb in the Olympics, you know, they have not meddled. They haven't done very much. And, you know, we talk about the 1980 team. And, no, no, I think that they need, first of all, the Americans need on the international stage, and I'm talking Olympics. First of all, I think, what, the next Winter Olympics is in China, right? Yes. You know that China's gearing up. They're going to have a pretty you know, as good a team as they can feel. Uh, the, first of all, the NHL has to go. I think it was a grave mistake that they didn't go this year. You exactly. Know? I think so, I, I think it really hurt themselves. I know the players wanted to go, and I understand where owners are saying, look, I don't want a guy to get hurt over there, even though he's representing his country. And you know, These are million-dollar investments I have in each of these players. I totally understand and get that. But if hockey's going to do what they're supposed to, uh, uh, if, if hockey's going to make a mark, they have to become, because we're a flavor of the month country, right, Newman? For sure. So 
in the Olympics, you don't think if Team USA was going for a gold medal in the Olympics that NBC wouldn't be all over that. Look what they did for the women's hockey be, team. Right. You know what I'm saying? So they need that. People need people need to buy into that. So, I mean, I agree with you on that. Live, live we've got a, radio. Live hey, radio. we've got a little action in front of us. We've got the... I don't even know how to explain it without... You know what? It's better not. But yeah, I don't know what's going on. New, new one, new one we are a flavor of the month. Right. You know, and, and I really think that Team USA showing on the international stage, and because they haven't really embraced the world championships, as you said, but I think they have to do something in the Olympics. They really have to do something in the Olympics. How do you work it out, though? The players want to go. The owners say no. And, you know, it's still... um. They'll work it out. I think Gary Bettman, deep down, he might never admit it, but I think he realizes it was a mistake for them not going to the last Olympics. I mean, that, that hockey tournament, and I tried to watch, and God bless all the guys that represented their countries, you know, the, the Maple Leaf and the Stars and Stripes, but but still, it just wasn't the same. It you know wasn't the I mean? same, but you got to realize, too, that a lot of the... Both of the organizations, the major organizations, you know, the big powers... Well, at least Canada and the U.S., they were looking at it like they thought they were going to get the NHL players. you know. And then pretty much at the end, they were like, yeah, so then you've got to start quickly at that point and say, who's going to play? Because the who are some of the guys? I mean, wasn't it Derek Roy was playing? The only you know, players, James, the James only Wisniewski, you know, I mean, local yeah. guy. I mean, he gave it his all, but you, you know what I'm saying. I mean, the... the the, the Jim Slater, the guy who played for Michigan State, you know, was a former Atlanta Thrasher. He had a good career in the NHL, but yeah, no, I, I said Michigan State and good career, and it just doesn't <laughs> coordinate. Wow. Wow. He is brutal. He's yeah. Newman's brutal. Well, Ryan, I mean, you're Canadian yeah, lad, yeah. but who I do you mean, root I for know, tomorrow? I, I know, obviously, I'm going to be pulling for for the Canadian guys ooh, tomorrow, ooh. but. To, Turn his mic on. On, 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 Numi, on Numi's point earlier, he said the Americans don't have. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Thanks for joining I us, Jade Barnes. I, I better get this in quick. Uh, That's what she said. But <laughs> oh my god! But I, to disagree with Numi earlier, uh, I with you know I'm spending a lot of times in the in the in the rinks. Uh, my both my boys are Americans and playing youth hockey here and. Uh, the U.S. is in very has a very very bright future with uh, a lot of these uh, you know up and coming players. So where do you what do you where do they play or what uh, what, what level are they? So my oldest son is fourteen and my uh, youngest son is eleven. So they play AAA here in Detroit. Uh, one plays for Compuware and the other one plays for Honey Baked and uh, oh, wow. yeah. So Honey Baked. So I'm in the uh, I'm is in that the, the Pet Peak League? Honey Baked uh, is the Tom no. and Astis group. Peaker's what? Peaker's with Compuware. Yeah, Peaker and I. Uh, so I coach my older son's team with Compuware. So Peaker and I coach in the same organization. So. Okay, for those of us that don't know, there's Honey Baked, there's Compuware, Belt Tire, Little Caesars, Belt Tire, uh, Victory Honda, and uh, Oakland Junior Grizzlies that play at Detroit. So there's six AAA uh, teams in Detroit. Those are classified as AAA? And, and then Fox Motors in Grand Rapids and Meyer out of Lansing. So, or that area, Kalamazoo. Are Lansing. those all travel teams? AA teams. In, in, no, but I mean travel. So for yeah, those of us that so don't that's know. That's the highest classification. Is AAA. Is AAA. Yes. Yeah, so there's eight, eight AAA classifications in, in Michigan. So, do they go from AAA to either college or? Yeah, like a lot of guys would graduate from playing midget hockey, and then they would go to once they finish high school, would move on to, you know, maybe the USHL or the National Team Development Program. Um, yeah, so they would. 
some of the best programs are moving those guys on. How can guys go and play like the New Jersey Titans? Right, uh, they're a triple A. Okay, so they're well. triple A. So Do they get paid? No, no. You got to pay to play. Uh, you, right. it's, okay, yeah. yeah. No. So that's why those guys can go from there to like college. Yes. So if a guy is the Muskegon Lumberjacks, USHL. Did they get paid? No. No, okay. All right. No. All right. No. no, usually the USHL is a stepping stone to colleges, I would imagine. I, I know that several players of the Red Wings have drafted over the years started off in the USHL. You know who's like John Van Beesbrook is really big into the Muskegon Lumberjack. Yeah. I don't know if he's part owner or yeah, whatever. General manager. General, General manager. manager. Yep. And, you, know, and he, you know, Keith Petrozelli, who they drafted last year, played yep. at Quinnipiac last yep. season. And um, Jack Adams, uh, who was with the. Uh, uh, played in Iowa. I can't remember off offhand who he played for uh, last year, but you know he he was at uh, uh, the, the he played college for the Dutchman this year. Yeah. Union uh, Union yeah. College. Chase so. Pearson played the uh, Youngstown Phantoms. Right. He was drafted from the Phantoms to the Red Wings. I was at University of Maine. Now he's an up and coming prospect. Right. So the USHL, as a matter of fact, upcoming on DetroitRedWings.com next week. Uh, my uh, by the numbers uh, prospects, uh, Chase Pearson uh, is who I'm writing about. And coming Monday, you'll want to see behind the numbers Luke Witkowski, which is very interesting too. He's a dude with the beard, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. He played 31 games. He had a 10 game suspension, and uh, Red Wings were very pleased to sign him last year. They uh, I was be- at that game, the Calgary game. Oh, were yeah, yeah, that was that was wild. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Kachuk baited him. I can't, you know, and the Red Wings were PO because he did come back to the ice, and you yeah. can't do that. You can't leave the bench. No. So that was an automatic 10-game suspension. But the Red Wings said, you know, he was provoked. But Kachuk knew exactly what he was doing. You know, yeah, I just, I have to say he that. He speared him. We just had a girl walk by <laughs> in a Princess Leia outfit, right? And it's the one from Revenge of the Jedi. Oh, Return of the Jedi, sorry. Right? Open back and everything. And I'm not going to say that it's been a sunless spring, but you could show a movie on this girl's back. It was right, so yeah, white. She, she, she definitely. Well, you know, it, you can tell spring came late because <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of uh, uh, very much, how should we say, very almost translucent. Uh, yes. yeah. What was the name of that movie? Powder. Oh, yes. Right, right. So, you know, the Red Wings got their draft coming up, and you guys know ten times more than I do. You know, where do you think, uh, where do you think, I know we need defensemen, Right. But based on what's out there, where do you think we're going to go? Ryan, we'll start with you. Yeah, the Red Wings are sitting at number six. Um, there's some interesting things uh, possibly happening in front of them. I know that uh, part of that Matt Duchesne trade, Colorado and Ottawa, Ottawa has to decide whether to give the fourth pick to Ottawa to uh, Ottawa to give the fourth pick to Colorado or not. So there's some things happening in front of the wings that it can definitely impact that but i think they're going to be in position to probably uh probably get a one of those real good defensemen um you know quinn hughes uh evan evan bouchard out of london noah dobson boquist out of sweden there's there's four really really good defensemen that uh will really help the the blue line in the in the near future for sure art well, I would think I, I totally agree with Ryan. I think at the sixth pick, if they stay there, I mean, the Red Wings have said that they could trade up or trade down. They're open to anything. As Ken Holland has said very uh, quite a few times lately, we're open for business. So they're willing to entertain anything at this point. I think that because they didn't win the Rasmus Dahlin stakes, that a player that I just found out today, Ryan represents, 
that they would love if he were to fall to number six or if they could even maybe trade up to get him because they really want someone who is without question uh, a, a goal scorer but who is in is a dancer who weaves in and out can make it you know it doesn't just go straight up and down his wing because the Red Wings think they have a lot of players like that uh, prospects already uh, is uh, Philip Zadina and uh, that is a kid that I know that they really really like unfortunately if they stay at number six and he's there I think it's Evan Bouchard yeah I yeah I think defenseman. Uh, yeah I, I don't know if Zadina is going to be around at number six so I think I think Kenny, Montreal's Kenny might have to him. do some some right. wheeling and dealing to get up but uh, you know I would love uh Love Phil to be a Red Wing for sure, and I think uh, again, just that'd be exciting. You know, him and him and Larkin and Double A and Manta, it'd be uh, the future would be right. And Rasmussen coming in, I, I think that's how that's how they got to rebuild it. When you look at uh, one other guy, because they need goal scoring too. I mean, they need to, to shore up the blue line. There's no question. The they need guy, up, the other guy that could be sitting there is Oliver Walsh. That's who, exactly who I was going to ask you about. I'm at the uh, NTDP games quite often, and got to see him play for two years and he can fill the net he, uh, his release is yeah, just incredible yeah, he's right? like a, he's like a new age phil kessel a guy that probably gets up and down the ice a little bit better than phil kessel um but he can score uh very similar phil, phil kessel's kind of like the bread hall of his generation he, yeah absolutely. he's always open and he has a great <laughs> shot you just can't believe how does he do it yeah it's uh so yeah, how many I, draft picks for the red wings this year 11 right now 11 right now how many in a normal draft seven Seven because if the yeah it's only seven rounds so, and they and they have four picks in the top thirty six players taken. So is it beyond the realm of possibility after Vegas wins the um, Stanley Cup, maybe Ken Holland can reach out to Vegas and get guys like Nosick and Tatar, you know, give up a bunch of draft picks for it. I'll tell you, I think when Ken Holland made that Tatar trade, I didn't think he he would think that that Vegas pick would be 31st overall. If they win the Cup, that's what it's going to be. Well, ESPN just ripped them, ripped them on that Tatar trade. I, I'm telling you, know, I love I loved Tatar. I did a podcast with him, the Red and White Authority, the Red Wing official podcast. And uh, uh, I told him, because he said, well, you know, I could be traded when we're ended. And I assured him he would not be traded. And he was traded, like, at the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah no, I... I you know, and I, I don't know why ESPN would rip. Can. Yeah. I mean, Tatar has been a healthy scratch some of the games with the Golden Knights in the playoffs. So, I mean, to get three draft picks, a first, second, and third, I think they're spread out amongst the next three years. No, that, I think it I was think the it was opposite. A, I think ESPN was ripping, ripping Vegas. Ripping the, yeah. For, for, Vegas. For, for, for oh, right, right. But, I mean, to, uh, to George McPhee's defense in the trade, I think the trade made sense for both teams, and that's what you see a lot, a lot of these deals being made now. Like, Tatar's got four years left on his deal. Vegas selected a lot of players where they had uh, contractual flexibility to get rid of guys so they may not be able to resign all these guys that are having real big seasons either so i think you know maybe not in the short term but overall it's a it's a good trade for both teams well the reason they did it was 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 to ryan's point he's exactly right i mean james neal who's been traded a lot i mean you know there's a guy that you you know, I, he's a great player but you got to wonder you know how he plays in the room so to speak because he's been let go a lot uh, and, and at the time when they selected him in the expansion draft, I think Vegas selected him thinking they were going to move him again at the deadline at the de- for more assets. I, I think there were a lot of players like that that maybe they thought they were going to do because they, you know, by their own admission, they figured they were a few years away, maybe even being a playoff team. Marchessault was another guy. Right, Marchessault. Yeah, it's and great. They, but they ended up re-upping him. But, yeah, but uh, but they think that Neil and is it Perron? David Perron. Yeah. David yeah, Perron. They're, they're yeah, both, Perron. But they're both of those guys could be lost in free agency, and they looked at, you know, Tatar, who's under contract 
for three more years, as Ryan said, as someone who could fill that void if they lose those two to unrestricted free agency. And I would imagine that they're probably, because I don't think they're going to be able to move to Tar, but they're probably going to move at least one, if not both of those players. You know, and I just wanted to ask a question. We're talking about contracts. We're talking about salary caps and everything. Um, what's your take on the whole Hosa thing now? Yeah, it's it was an interesting. I I mean, it was an interesting circumvention. I think for the Hawks to get out from under that that contract. And I mean, Marion, I think was he's had an unbelievable career. He's an awesome player to watch. Um, and, 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 and maybe he maybe he did have a obviously he did have a the skin a, rash a, a, a illness and a skin, skin rash, rash he, was yeah. deal, he was dealing with but and um, now he's all done it's kind of especially with the playoffs going on right now it's it's kind of funny to to think about a player not being able to play with a skin rash when guys are playing with broken fingers and you know broken bones and doing whatever it takes but it's a um, skin rash well he he swe- it was the equipment right he would sweat yes. to a point that he you know he broke couldn't out in these the right he couldn't put on his equipment anymore. Uh, Fox 2's Woody uh, Woodruff, Woody, just, Woody Woodruff just, just popped in. Popped by. He's no Jennifer Hammond, but we always like to see Woody. No, no, he is not. Woody is another member of the uh, Detroit sports media. Yes, he's a, Woody's a great guy. Uh, uh, when you look at uh, the Red Wings, and I know that you're familiar with all these players. I, I, you know, as I said, you know your clients, Adina, they love. Uh, and you know a lot. Do you think that? The number six pick, when I look at it, they, they think that Shvechnikov, Darlene, Zadina, perhaps Brady Kachuk, that those top four fellas all have the opportunity. I mean, Darlene's going to, so let's say that those three guys, to actually be impact players at 18, 19 years old in the NHL, that they could make their teams, that when you get to where the Red Wings are picking now, maybe the five, six, seven, eight area, they're going to get a very good player but fans should be realistic and not expect him to come right in and make the club. Yeah, and the one guy that may be sitting in that area, we brought his name up before, you have Zadina's a 99 late birthday, so he's the, this year's draft is a But he's a hell of a... But you, I know he's born in 2000. Svechnikov is a late birthday. Uh, the other defenseman is Bouchard is a, is a 99 late birthday, so he's had that extra year. It's probably done... You know, all he can do in junior, so he's kind of sitting there. He could be a guy that maybe. But he has to play in junior because they can't send him to the Grand Rapids, right? right? That's right. So he could be that guy, especially the premium being put on, you know, pucks getting out of your zone. And obviously, you know, watching the Red Wings, I think that's an area that they can improve in. And so that that is, you know, it, all those players do that very well, but definitely Bouchard. And, and also Quinn Hughes is a 99 late birthday. He's played against older bigger guys in college so i think those guys could be ready to go when you look at the red wings and they do want to shore up their blue line and get offensive minded obviously they want a two-way player but i mean but offense defensemen that can quarterback a power play and have some offensive skill let's put it that way uh and you look at quinn hughes but you look at whom the red wings already have in their system and it appears that if they had their way, they would like to get bigger on the blue line or have prospects who are a little bit larger. And I know they drafted several large defensemen last year. Yeah. Um, could you tell Red Wing fans, look, if Bouchard's gone, let's say for some reason, um, you know, Ottawa or Colorado or whomever gets that pick, and then uh, and then Arizona, they you know they take Bouchard. Yeah. So now they have some defensemen there. Can you, 
And, you know, Red Wing fans, because more of the Michigan connection, would say, well, Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes. You know, he played for Blash at the Worlds. Yeah. Um, but yet, he's quote unquote on the smaller side. He's not, you know, he's not six feet or over. Do you think that the Red Wings would take him? I mean, do you think that he's that good enough? What kind of player is he? Yeah, I mean, he's an elite. He's a world class skater. Um, you know, he can quarterback your power play. He can get the puck out of your zone. Yeah, I mean, I think he would be in strong, strong consideration. You know, in that in that six spot. And I mean, I. I would say too that the way the NHL is going, obviously, if there's a choice between, you know, the six foot three guy and the five foot ten guy, you're going to go with the bigger, the bigger player. All things being equal, but the way the NHL is going now, you used to, you know, the way you construct your def- defense core and the way Stevie's got it in Tampa, you know, they've got you know trees with Hedman and Schuster and all those big, right, right, right. all those big D. But it's almost going the other way where, and you could have one maybe five ten guy that could really scoot back there. Now teams are building their defense like. That guys can just fly because the four checks coming so fast. So you need defensemen that can get back. So I think the teams that are forward thinking, uh, like size is important, no question. But I think the premium is is put on speed and skill right now in the NHL. Right. I know you're a former Red Wing, and I know you follow this, and you're an agent. I don't know how closely you actually follow specifically the Red Wings. I think you have to have very close. Yeah. yeah, Well, I know that they would like to have two to five new players in their lineup next year preferably i mean they could you know they they could still make a play for mike green they could sign they're going to have to sign a goalie unrestricted free agency they jimmy has no backup they have no goalies in their system under contract right now except for jimmy howard uh so we know that that they're going to delve into uh unrestricted free agency at least the goaltender wise though out of if, if if they want two to five new players and they want them young are there two to five young players that can make the Red Wings next year that, that either through this draft or that are already in the system? I think the the player that's picked at number six is going to have a chance. They'll have every opportunity to make the team. You know, I loved, I watched the preseason very closely last year. I love Michael Rasmussen. I, 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 I like him too. Upside. I love that. His pick. hand-eye coordination for a man that size and, is incredible. And the, the Wings passed up on some good players in that draft to take Rasmussen and, and I was skeptical at, at the draft. Were, right, I was skeptical right. at the draft, and after seeing him in, in preseason, I'm like, I can see why he's a six foot six centerman. Uh, reminds me of Keith Primo a little bit, and, and that type of player. And um, again, I think he's a guy that with a with a big off off season, he could he could be there. And after that, it's I'm I not mean, sure. How about Ronick, the the guy that had a good year? Had like 39 points, I think, overall. Was a plus 24. Made first team all-rookie AHL. Uh, he's yeah, abrasive, he, he but he's not very big. Yeah, he's. and again, I keep getting back to the speed and skill, and I think he, he could be another guy. Uh, I didn't see a ton of him. I watched him probably more when he was in Saginaw the year before and, and liked, liked the style of game that he plays, but didn't get. To, I maybe saw two or three Griffin games this year, and I don't think he played the games uh, when I was there, so I, I, I don't know on on, on Ronick. I'm not ready to right. put him in that category. Maybe with those other other guys, even though he has that one year of professional experience. How about the guy everybody loves? You're rooting for him. Unrestricted free agent. Started skating in a Teletubby uh, thing at two years old out in British Columbia. He tells that story. I told him maybe you shouldn't tell it. He says, "Oh no, I I, I don't mind." Uh, Joe Hicketts. Yeah, and I love the passion that, that Joe Hicketts plays with, and. Thought just, you were going to mention Shan. <laughs> uh, I, no, I love the passion that Hicketts brings. Uh, he's smart. He's you know he, 
you just love the guy. Like, he's, you know, he's doing interviews after he's got no teeth and you just you do anything, <laughs> anything to win. And, and uh, you know, he just seems like, uh, you know, everybody that I've ever talked to about Joe Hickett's like, kind of like I'm here, they light up. And obviously you're, you're pulling for a guy like, like Joe Hickett's to, to be a full-time, you know, regular NHL. But again, you, you get back to, he's not a big, big dude either. So he's listed at five, eight and, and I'm taller than him. So yeah. I mean, there you go. And with that, guys, we got to make that the last word. This two hours just absolutely flew by, Newman. Flew by. We want to thank Jay Adams. Ryan Adams, you mean. <laughs> Ryan Adams. Jay Adams. He's performing um, at Comic Con tomorrow. Yeah, for coming out today. Always great to have Ryan Barnes, number 52, for your Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. You're always us. great. To be here, the incomparable one, Art Regner. Um, things we've got coming up on the alumni 611 out in. Grand Rapids, we've got the LPGA Meyer Classic. We're going to have a lot of our guys out there for the Celebrity Pro-Am. That is a free event. Feel free to come on out. On July 30th, we've got the Detroit Red Wing Alumni Golf Classic at Oakhurst. We'll have more information coming out. And then the uh, highlight of the summer for a lot of people on the 25th of August, we've got the Joe Koser Foundation Softball Event. Art will be there. 10th anniversary, right? 10th anniversary. It's our 10th year of giving. So like to thank everybody for tuning in. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Detroit Red Wing Alumni. Uh, one, and we want to give a special thank you. Bob Walton Spiel, Dave Phillips with Podcast Detroit. They've been so supportive. Appreciate the time today, and we will see you soon. Thank you.